0: We have a special treat today. Rachel Murr is going to be speaking, so that's awesome. Many of you know Rachel. For those of you who don't know Rachel, Rachel is a clinical social worker um, and uh, cares especially for people with very significant mental health needs, so she's got a, she's got a great job that's very demanding. And uh, Rachel is also the author of Unnatural, Spiritual Resiliency in Queer Women, which I think is actually, there's like a, a little burgeoning literature um, on LGBTQ from people who have been part of more conservative religious traditions and that that literature started to come out maybe uh, 2013, 2014 around that time. The first books out uh, kind of like naturally were by men uh, and I think Rachel's might be the first book of its like genre um, by a woman. So it's a very significant book and uh, she tells some stories about um, queer women who have been part of a faith community that wasn't supportive of their identity and how they navigated that, which is really the heart of our, our series, Why Christian? This is the, I think, the third in our series, Why Christian? And uh, Rachel, uh, actually, she gave us the idea for the series. I mean, her example did, uh, because she spoke at the first Why Christian Conference. I think it was three years ago, and it was uh, really good. So Rachel, come on up and talk to us, please. (laughs)
1: chance to talk with you all today, I've been kind of reveling in the fact that I get the microphone this time. (laughs) What kind of marital conflict can I bring before the people? (laughs) But I decided, no, I'll take the high road. (laughs) So just in the past few weeks and months, um, we've seen dangerous dictators rising to power all over the world. We've seen threats of nuclear war, cities destroyed by storms and flooding, uh, likely made worse by how we've treated the earth over the past hundred years. We've seen violence and hatred on the rise as white supremacists feel emboldened to assemble and terrorize people of color. And so with all that's going on, evangelical leaders gather together and speak against evil. What'd they say? They condemned gay people and their allies. So straight people, you are not off the hook anymore. You're out of the fold. This was called the Nashville Statement. And while this statement was not at all surprising, still I hear this and I want to distance myself from the name Christian. And for much of my life, I saw um, Christianity as a hard truth. I believed it was true, but it wasn't easy to believe the things I thought I needed to believe. While I grew up going to church, I came to a personal faith through a college ministry where I was taught that people are sent to hell because they'd never heard about Jesus. I was taught that men were somehow God-ordained to be the spiritual leaders of churches and families, that the Bible was a clear moral authority on how we should live, and, of course, that same-sex romantic relationships were inherently sinful. And I thought that following Jesus meant being countercultural and sometimes even offensive to those outside the faith. Faith was hard, and the Bible was filled with hard truths. But it didn't start that way. Uh, I grew up in a loving family in Minnesota, I was pointed out this morning, I do say Minnesota. Yeah. Um, my parents were moderately conservative, conservative, but we attended a liberal Catholic church. We didn't have kneelers or altar boys, and I never learned to genuflect, so we were not very Catholic Catholics, but we were there every week. And my church didn't say much about social issues. Um, their main men- message was the importance of community. And I thought church was boring, but if you could sit through it, you'd meet some nice people. So. <laughs> When I went to college, I found myself in a place of need. Um, I'd been a terribly shy kid, and I struggled to make friends or connect with other people. As I finished high school, I had dreams of going off to college and being a different person. I thought if I tried hard enough, I could like break out of my shell and be outgoing. But I wasn't able to be a different person. Two months into my freshman year, I was lonely and disappointed in myself for not being better at making friends. So. Determined not to give up, I decided that I needed to get involved in something on campus. And searching through the list of campus activities, I narrowed down my search to either uh, the Christian groups or the uh, gay and lesbian support groups. And I knew it couldn't be both. I'd not yet fully come out to myself, and I'd never told anyone that I thought I might be gay. And at that time, I had no internal conflict about whether or not it was okay. I mean, I knew many Christians thought it was wrong, but I didn't agree. My belief that I couldn't attend both groups came from knowing enough Christians to know that that wouldn't go well. But before making a decision, I was invited to attend the Christian group. Um, No matter what they say, they are the better recruiters. (laughs) So, At first, I had some reservations about this brand of Christianity. I resisted their teaching that Jesus was the only way. And I was put off by their allegiance with the Republican Party. And at the same time, I was drawn to their community and their love for one another. I remember learning about grace for the first time and being drawn to this idea that we couldn't earn any favor with God by being good enough. And I was moved by a deeper understanding of this gospel message. And I felt like I finally understood something that had been around me my whole life. I also accepted this gospel because I was in desperate need. I was lonely as hell and I hated being shy and I'd never been able to change that part of me. And I knew I couldn't fix my own problems and I was in need of a God who could help me and heal me. So I jumped all in and I adopted the teachings of this particular evangelical group. And by my junior year of college, I was certain that I was gay and this was not good news. That same year, my campus Christian group hung signs all over the Memorial Union saying that change was possible for gay people and that we could find healing through a relationship with Jesus. So I read books and online testimonies searching for some sort of hope that God could change me. And they all said similar things. They claimed that same-sex attraction was rooted in early negative experiences and that it could be healed. But even then, if you read these stories carefully, many of these ex-gay people knew that they were likely to spend a lifetime fighting against these attractions. And their success stories were of ongoing heartache and struggle. Still, they encouraged gay people to enter heterosexual marriage or remain celibate. So I saw a long and lonely road ahead. Still, I didn't tell anyone that I thought I was gay. Uh, I didn't see a point when it wasn't something that I could pursue. So, shortly after I graduated from college, my younger brother came out. And my parents quickly changed from Rush Limbaugh-loving conservatives to uh, gay rights activists, like overnight. (laughs) And uh, soon they were telling their story of accepting their gay son all over town. And uh, sadly, at that time, I thought it was my job to share um, where I stood. And I told him that I never expected him to follow my religious beliefs But that I thought the Bible was clear in condemning same-sex relationships. I told him no matter what, I loved him, and I never brought it up again. And he was gracious enough to love me through that, and our relationship remained amicable, but not close. Uh, My relationship with my parents was a bit harder. I hadn't told them I was gay, but they were on to (laughs) me. And they could see how certain friendships of mine were far more intimate, far more emotionally charged than platonic friendships. And they saw how I was suffering. They tried to get me to change my views, uh, and that just angered me because I felt that they didn't understand my faith. They worried my faith was hurting me, and they wanted me to just come out already. And I was just stuck on this idea that the Bible was clear. And at this time, I had just started attending a vineyard church in Minnesota. Over the next years, I got involved in leading small groups, serving in food giveaways, and helping to start a 12-step recovery group. Soon after joining the church, I opened up to one of the pastors about being attracted to women. And she suggested that she and I meet weekly and uh, work through some ex-gay materials together. And I didn't want to. I was hesitant at first, but eventually agreed. At this time in my life, I was quite skilled at denial. So it was a surprise to me that at our first meeting, I ended up sobbing in a booth in Panera. And the hopelessness of my situation started to just catch up with me. I was growing aware of a pattern of falling in love with my friends, and I didn't see a way to stop it. This ex-gay material taught all sorts of hurtful things and shame-inducing things, mainly that I was broken or damaged, and that being attracted to women was an attempt to fill some unmet need. And I knew I wasn't less healthy than other people. I just reasoned that everyone was broken in their own ways. My issues just happened to mean that I might never feel fulfilled in a relationship. So I saw dating men or staying single as my only options. After completing the ex-gay materials, I started to be more open at church as someone who struggled with unwanted same-sex attractions. And I shared how the church's demonization of gay people was hurtful for me and people I cared about. And I started to feel this calling to minister to the LGBT community. But I had no interest in promoting adherence to the church's rules about sex. I felt more of this calling to bring some reconciliation between the church and queer communities. But I had no idea how this could happen because I felt I didn't have good news to share. Come live a life of celibacy and struggle was not a message I was gonna preach. So during this time, several other women came into my life who were also same-sex attracted and believed it was wrong to pursue those attractions. And I think it was this sense of calling that kept me from running the other way. So we all became very good friends, and armed with my knowledge of the ex-gay propaganda, I tried to set these appropriate boundaries in my friendships, believing these boundaries would keep me from falling in love and keep the relationships safe. And around the same time I faced this perfect storm of life crises. Uh, My real estate career failed in the market collapse of 2007. I lost my career of six years and eventually my home. And I felt completely lost about what to do next. And soon I started to lose my friends too. Uh, Not surprisingly, my friendship circle of the try not to be lesbians imploded in lesbian drama. So a tragic love triangle emerged within the group, and soon the conflict between us all was too great. And I broke ties with the woman I'd fallen for, and our wider group of friends dissolved, and I lost all my closest friends. And during this conflict, things got so bad that I developed a significant and very visible nervous twitch, which has improved 90% but has still not completely gone away. And losing control of my body scared me. I'd been skilled at hiding my emotions, and now my slightest discomfort was advertised with this bizarre jerking. And it was a sign to me that I was not OK. So after losing my friends, I looked back at what I could have done differently. I'd worked hard at keeping these boundaries in place to keep me. But I worked hard at keeping these boundaries in place, but these boundaries hurt my friends deeply, and they didn't keep me from falling in love at all. I couldn't come up with anything I could do differently in the future. And again, I looked ahead in a life and saw a life full of either loneliness and isolation or falling in love with people who were off limits and suffering for it. And my theology taught me that following Christ involved sacrifice, but that it's not supposed to be unhealthy. My understanding of God's laws was, was that they were there for us good, that following God's laws was the healthiest and most fulfilling way to live. But my friends and I were not healthy. And this had already been a painful pattern for each of us. And I began to wonder if God might be okay with me being gay. So as I was reevaluating the things I'd been taught, I went on a silent retreat at a small hermitage, spending three days alone in the woods. And I read through all of the scripture passages that seemed to address homosexuality. And I questioned again if these passages were really as clear as I'd been taught to believe. And after reading the Romans one clobber passage, I just kept reading. And I was struck by a statement in Romans two. Paul was criticizing the religious leaders at the time and said, you think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God. For you are certain that God's law gives you complete knowledge and truth. So Paul seemed to be suggesting that the law was not the whole truth. And I remember Jesus's words that the spirit guides us into all truth. And the Spirit seemed to be speaking to me. As I continued this search, I was blown away by the way God seemed to be challenging the things that I'd been taught. The words I heard from God were never that being gay was some sort of less than perfect result of living in a fallen world. Again and again, I heard God say things like, this is how I made you, and it's beautiful. And I adopted the belief that God created a beautifully diverse humanity on purpose. And I started to share these beliefs with others. And my parents were ready to throw a party and invite the neighbors. (laughs) But my church was not so thrilled. Um, The pastoral staff was not in agreement about whether or not I should be allowed to continue in leadership. Two of the pastors were good friends of mine, and they were fighting for my full inclusion. Um, Others, including the two senior pastors, thought I should be removed from any position of influence So they all took months to read, pray, and debate about my role in the church. And I did not get to be part of these discussions, so the conflict seemed to just simmer underground for months. And I felt a growing hostility from people who thought I was causing unnecessary conflict in our peaceful little church. And I certainly considered leaving the church, but I decided to stay and fight at that time. I stayed in part to advocate for myself and other queer people, hoping to encourage my church toward full inclusion. I was in a unique position to challenge people's biases because uh, they knew me and they loved me. And I stayed because I feared that leaving allowed them to write my story. That they could claim that I came out as gay and left the church presumably leaving God as well. And I wanted to communicate that I was still following God in my coming out. And when I'm honest, I can also see that I stayed because I needed them. I had just lost friends, my career, and my home, and I was not yet prepared to lose my church too. So the conflict over my leadership went on for nearly a year. Eventually the pastors all came to agreement that allowed them to stay together. The senior pastor sat me down and told me that I would not be removed from my current leadership position because that would be too disruptive to the church. My pastor friends had threatened to leave if I was kicked out of leadership. But the senior pastors went on to say that they did feel that I was sinning and therefore I'd not be allowed to preach, teach, or lead a small group in the future. So my friends on staff felt like this was a win because they didn't have to kick me out. So they saw it as a victory, but this was no victory for me. I'd been told I was sinning and that whatever God might call me to do, it would not be there. So still I stayed another year hoping to challenge their position Uh, But the more I pushed, the more I was met with anger. So eventually it became clear that I needed to leave. And I walked away with grief and heartache and anger because losing a church is hard. And I knew I would keep in touch with my friends there, but I also knew it would never be the same again because now I was on the outside. And soon enough, when spending time with these friends, all of them affirming, I still found them critiquing my experience of what had happened back at the church and I was feeling silenced. By the time I left the Vineyard, I'd found a new career path, and I was back in school for a Master of Social Work degree. And the program included multiple research projects, so I decided to use research to study my own issues. And I gathered the stories of other lesbian and bisexual women who'd worked to maintain their Christian faith, despite being taught that gay and Christian were mutually exclusive identities. And as I conducted the interviews, I encountered people who had been kicked out of their homes, kicked out of churches, denied leadership, and put through reparative therapy. Some had been physically assaulted. They'd been judged, lectured, shamed, and silenced in the name of God. And they still wanted to hold on to their faith in Jesus. So when I asked them why, several themes emerged. Um, Some remembered past spiritual experiences that were powerful to them. They felt God had communicated love and acceptance, and they wanted to hold on to those experiences. Some felt that they'd tried life without God, and that seemed meaningless to them. And some talked about the importance of hope in a world full of pain. Some had been part of churches where they were involved in social justice work. They saw people of faith working together for fair housing, food distribution, or desegregation efforts. And they wanted to continue to be involved in churches that worked for justice and community healing. And about half were currently involved in churches and half were not. But each found that through coming out, finding support of others, and rejecting some of the things they'd been taught, they'd become more happy and healthy people. And they saw themselves in progress, but the progression was one towards wholeness and freedom. These stories were healing for me. They helped me to see that my desire to hold on to faith was not just some form of self-loathing. They reminded me of the beautiful things faith has added to my life. They connected me with my own pain and my hope. And they reminded me of the goodness of God, the way God breaks in and speaks to people in miraculous ways, even when the church excludes us. So their stories inspired me to carry the project forward, which of course led to the book that includes these women's stories and my own. And now I see how that calling I felt toward the LGBTQ community has played out. Only now I do have good news. The gospel is good news for gay people, too. And coming out and getting to a place of being okay with same-gender relationships brought me a newfound freedom, self-acceptance, and happiness that I hadn't known before. And this was true even while I was still single. And then I met Emily. And I know you all get enough of our gushing. But I love this woman. And we found a good thing in each other. I'm so grateful for her. And now I can just laugh at some of the negative things I used to read about uh, lesbian relationships, how unhealthy they're supposed to be because our relationship is good. And I never imagined I could be this happy in a marriage. So it brings me to the question, uh, why am I a Christian? And first off, I'm a Christian because of the example of Jesus. And I can't think of anyone else who lived a life of love so perfectly. He lived among the poor, healed the sick, fed the hungry, and welcomed the outsiders. He turned the values of this world upside down and suggested we're not valued for our strengths or our certainty, but that we are blessed in our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. He lived a life of radical love and willingly died to show the tragic foolishness of our our violence. Secondly, I'm a Christian because of my experiences of a living God. There are some things I've experienced that hold such wonder and mystery that the only explanation is that God is alive and active among the people of the earth. And I know I'm not alone. The women I interviewed for my research experienced God speaking to them as they hiked through the mountains, as they studied in seminary, as they worshiped in church and prayed with their partners. Spiritual experiences were commonly referenced as a reason for maintaining personal faith. And I can't easily dismiss the ways I've experienced God through Jesus. But maintaining a personal faith and staying involved in faith community are two different things. Christians can be terrible. And it was the teaching of Christians in my faith community that led me to believe it was wrong to be gay. And it's sad to me that I spent 14 years of my life believing that my orientation was unhealthy and wrong. And I'm ashamed that I took in all that they taught. But losing my church was so painful because it had been such a positive and meaningful part of my life. People in my old church offered to take me in when I lost my home. They pointed out my strengths when I lost my career, and they prayed for me again and again. They encouraged me to join them in living simply, giving generously, caring for others, and fighting injustice, even when the problems are overwhelming. There was beauty there. And despite how much it hurts to lose a church and to feel the rejection, I'm still drawn to community. That's a good thing. I happen to marry a pastor. (laughs) Community is what she does for a living. But this faith community makes it easy to stay. I love this church. There are no strict doctrinal statements about what we're required to agree with, and people are welcomed as long as they're willing to welcome. And more than that, the church is filled with wonderful people, many of whom have suffered rejection just for being part of this church. And I feel very lucky to have a church home like this one, And I'm very proud of everyone who helped to create it. And I'm convinced more than ever that Christianity is not a hard truth, but it's good news. That this gospel brings us healing and wholeness, but not just so that we can reach our own personal bests. The gospel is good news because it offers hope to the world. And no one can stop God from showing love to her people. For me, faith in Jesus offers hope that an active, loving God sees what's going on, and takes up the cause of the powerless. And I need to believe that God's kingdom will come and bring with it justice and hope, reconciliation, and peace. And I don't even really know what this means of God's kingdom coming. But I do believe that God is continually calling people together to be a light in the darkness and a city of hope. And I want to take part in bringing hope to the world. And I don't see a way forward without the community of believers. I needed them years ago and I still need them today.